If you have a Bible, you can open it up. I'm going to start, I believe, a series called Good Pleasure. And, um, you know, people in life are looking for good pleasure. You with me? And, and I mean, we, we in the United States um, recognize that, that we live in a land that has a lot to do. And uh, we recognize it because right now we have people coming from other countries and they uh, try to get here legally or illegally. You with me? Not trying to be political, just telling the truth. Why, why would they come here? Because it's worse? There's, you know, the other day I, I, you know, some people think it's worse. They just haven't been other places. That's just the truth. I was watching a guy who's in Australia and uh, on this YouTube channel and this other guy that was interviewing him, he said, you know, I'm trying to get to the United States. And he said, you know, it's been working on the process, he and his wife moving over here. And he said, there's just so much here. Now, a lot of people don't realize that. And so people come here for the benefits, the pleasures, the different things that are available here that are not necessarily available in other places. And so, you know, we think, well, man, we're in the United States. Then we get to experience these good pleasures. Well, there are good pleasures that are natural, that are pleasures and then there are good pleasures that are spiritual. And one thing we need to realize this is, is if you are trying to get pleasure out of only the natural, you're not ever going to get the thing you're looking for. Let me say that again. You're not ever going to have the pleasure you're looking for. You know, Jesus said it like this. If somebody, uh, you know, gains the whole world, you know, they just become real rich and they're able to do whatever they want to do. He said, if that's the only thing you're doing, he said, you'll lose your own soul. And so he was basically trying to get across, you know, about not pursuing just the natural things. And so, if you will, open up your Bibles to Philippians, the second chapter. We're going to read um, maybe some familiar verses to you, but I believe we're going to look at some things in the Bible that are going to uh, challenge us. But I don't believe they'll just challenge us from me talking to you, but I believe God is going to challenge people. And I'm convinced of this, God has been challenging His church for a while. He has been. Because we're living in a time where time is of the utmost importance, but people are living, though, as though we've got forever and that we can do anything down here and everything will be okay when we get to the other side. You with me? But that's not even close to the truth. Amen? And so Philippians, the second chapter. And we're going to look at these things. You know, because it's so wild that uh, when people leave the earth, they don't leave all their memories behind and everything behind. They actually, when they go over there, they bring their memories with them. They bring their earthly pursuits with them. They'll remember certain things when they go there. It's not like you just close one thing off and then you move into the other. You, you separate from your body and you either go to heaven or you go to hell. And there is both of them. 
And we were, uh, and our primary part of us is the spiritual part of us. That's the part that the world has no idea. And so they uh, just try to get pleasure and they think that will satisfy me if I win the lottery or I do all these fun things and experience all these things. Let me tell you, I lived in the world, had a really good job. Then I came into the kingdom and I found that when I came into the kingdom of God, when I had received the Lord, that's actually what I was looking for. But I have found this, people in the kingdom are not always doing kingdom business and they're not always experiencing uh, the good pleasure that they're supposed to be experiencing in this life that will then carry on into the next life. Notice this in Philippians, the second chapter, and the 13th verse. He said, For it is God who works in you. Now, who is he writing to? He's not writing to everybody here. He's not writing to the general population. You know, uh, lately we've been having storms, if anybody doesn't notice, unless you live somewhere else. We've been having storms, right? And a lot of them. And I mean, some of them, I, I didn't realize how bad it was. They've closed areas for days now because the storms, the roads, and I'm like, wow, pretty big. But one thing I have noticed, if you ever turn the TV on, there's something that all of a sudden at the bottom of the screen, it, it flashes and it says, you know, there's like a little map and then it'll tell you severe uh, flood warning for this area. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and we go, oh, look at that. You know, this verse doesn't ever show up there. You ever, you ever read and it said, you know, Coconino, you know, area, flooding, county, or Maricopa County, Pinal County, and God is working in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And everybody's like, well, that's so awesome. <laughs> because He's not working in everybody. He's not. He doesn't work in a person who doesn't know Him. He works on them. He will deal with them. He will convict them. He will draw them from, you know, from without and deal with their heart. But for the believer, it's a completely different program. When somebody gives their life to the Lord, immediately they become new inside. And God starts working in people. Are you with me? So we're probably not going to be seeing Philippians 2.13 on the bottom of the TV. Just reading across. We're, we're just not going to because uh, God's not working in all them. He may be working on them, but He's not working in them, so to speak, uh, like He is in a believer. And so it, notice this. It is God, for it is God. Who? God. Who? I'm sorry. Who's working in you? God. So when you have some kind of dealing, it's not just a nudging. It's not just a suggestion. When you, when you see a scripture and it comes alive, it's not like, wow, just look at that. No, that's God working in you. But notice he said God will work in you both. So if you say both, you know that that's just one thing, right? Both, no. It's more than one thing. Both to do, to will, to will, 
You know, will is, is to want to do something. Notice this. It's God working in a believer to will and to do of His good pleasure. You, you wonder why sometimes believers uh, don't really have a real will to serve God after a while? Anybody ever looked at that and thought, why don't they want to serve God like they once did when they were, you know, what people would say, man, they were on fire. They were burning. Whatever happened to them? I can tell you, uh, just by reading this verse, they, when God worked in them to will, they said, no. And they kept saying, no. And they didn't just say no. They went away and they didn't do it. So they went against that will. People don't have a zeal toward God by accident. It's actually the result of God reaching out, dealing with them, them surrendering their life, and then God starts working in them to will, but that individual has to cooperate. Or they suppress... His working, and part of His working is to will, to want, to want to do His things. And if we live in a day and age where it's super important to be wanting to do His work, it's today. We're coming closer and closer to the end. It amazes me the things you can watch on the news and things that are happening. And uh, we, we need to be cooperating with what His will is. Not just be like, oh, thank you, Lord. You're working in me to will. Uh, I'll get around to that later. Notice this. Both to will and to do for His good Pleasure. The word good pleasure literally means del delight for his satisfaction. See, some people think, well, I give my life to the Lord, then I do everything for my satisfaction. I, I do things uh, for my what's pleasure to me. What people need to realize, not everything that just people want to do really bring, brings pleasure to them. It, it, as a matter of fact, you can do all these pleasurable things and still not be pleasured, so to speak. I have found this to be true about walking with the Lord. If I do what He wants and what He wants is pleasurable, I experience His good pleasure. When I don't do what He wants, I uh, refuse His good pleasure in my life. So what am I saying? If I will start to work with Him who's working in me, I'll start to partake of His good pleasure. Amen? I've met people who once served God and then don't, and, and I've talked to them and they'll say, well, I'm doing all this stuff, and it it's what people think is fun, and they'll tell you, I'm not, it's, it's, there's no pleasure in this. Because... The priority of life is to walk with God. Not just work for God, because this right here is based on the fact that He's working in me, and I'm working with Him. It's not like He's just trying to give me a rule and go do this. It's just like Adam and Eve. God wanted to walk with them. God wanted their lives to be in union 
when Adam and Eve refused the union they had and the fulfillment they had, the good pleasure they had, started getting all jacked up. Amen? And the world, you know, we, we live in a time right now where the world needs us more than ever. And if we don't work with God's good pleasure or with what He's working in us, then really what we do is we put off God's plan for the earth. That's an interesting thought. Because you hear this a lot. Well, it's all in God's timing. But really, uh, it's not all in God's timing. God's not waiting to do something big in the world. He's looking for somebody to do something small and obey Him. Not something big, something small. And when people do what's small, that small working to will, then it gives God an opportunity to work in the earth. When I yield to God, I'm yielding to His good pleasure. You know, Ephesians, the fourth chapter in the 30th verse says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And then it goes on to say, as a believer, you've been sealed, or inward, inwardly, that is the mark that you are owned by God. Isn't it an interesting thing that you could, or somebody could, grieve the Holy Spirit? Now, for the believer, He lives in you. And if I grieve Him, do you think I could sense Him? Oh yeah, absolutely. What, what grieves Him causes some kind of grieving in me. What gives Him pleasure will give pleasure to me. Luke 15.7 7, uh, says this, concerning heaven rejoicing over one person who gives their life to the Lord. Well, think about this. The Holy Spirit is heaven in you, so to speak, when you give your life to the Lord. And when I cooperate with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pick up from Him. When, when I don't cooperate, I'm going to pick up from Him. Some of you guys are looking at me totally weird. You ever been in a car with somebody and they got like a real attitude going on? Just think, okay, it's not anybody in the church, but just somebody I know. And it's like cold, right? Not good. And you're like, yuck, this is no good. Could we grieve God? It's not that he's throwing a temper tantrum and throwing plates around on the inside of you and knocking over stuff. Are you with me? But could you be grieved? Could he be grieved? And could you pick up on that? We know in the Bible, Moses had a relationship with God and the children of Israel were disobeying. God was trying to get them to a certain place. And the Lord told him, that repents me. I, I, that was, it was not pleasing to him. Well, think about it. When he wasn't pleasing to the Lord, he got that over to Moses. Do you think that God living in you can get things over to you? It, it, I mean, isn't salvation an incredible thing? It's God working in you. He comes to dwell in you. When you receive Him, it's like, man. But 
do, do we have to cooperate after to enjoy the good pleasure? Here is a thought, and I made this statement. Some people say, you know, the will of the Lord will just happen. You know, it's God's timing. And really, God's timing often is based on you. Well, that's exciting because then, or maybe not, my cooperation then will cause God to be able to work through me or not. And if God is working through me, all of who He is is going to be moving through me. And when I'm cooperating with Him, that's pleasing to Him. That pleasure is going to affect me. Are you with me? How many of you remember the guy Jonah? Anybody remember him? One person? Two? Remember the guy? He got, got, went for fish lunch and he was the fish's lunch. But if you think about Jonah's life, God was working on Jonah to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he was dealing with Jonah. I want you to do this. Jonah had, had a dream from God to impact a whole nation. And somebody would say, well, it'll all happen in God's good timing. No, there was actually an expiration date with Jonah uh, that it ultimately would not even happen through him if he didn't cooperate. Think about it. If you're in the belly of the whale and there's stomach acid working on you, there's an expiration date. You either come out the mouth or you head out the back. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had one of those little goldfish bowls, you know, the objects that come out the back don't look like the part that goes in the front. So there was an expiration date with Jonah. And Jonah was actually delaying what God wanted to do in the earth through him. He had a vision. He told him. And even Jonah later on after, he's like, I knew they were going to repent and I knew you would be good. But he still wouldn't obey. He wouldn't cooperate. He, he wouldn't do it. He, he, was, he was pushing off what God wanted to do. God wanted to shake a nation through this man and he was putting it off. Because, because of something big. You know, sometimes people need to realize when God's working in us, some of the things He works in us just as Christians are be committed to church. How many of you know when you first gave your life to the Lord, you knew nobody told you be here all the time. You just knew it inside. I got to be in church. God was working it in you. I need to read my Bible. I don't understand it. You know what I mean? I need to tell my fr friends, or I've got to do certain things. Those fundamental things don't change. Uh, we have to stay cooperative with them. And as we do, we start to walk in His good pleasure. But if we don't, then the will of God in the earth is hindered. I'm going to read a verse of Scripture that stood out to me the other day when I was getting ready. I was like, I've read that verse I don't know how many times and I went, yikes. Like big time yikes. But you think about it, Jonah delayed the will of God. 
He knew what to do. He wouldn't do it. So he said, I'm going to the lake. That's what he did, didn't he? Got in a boat, cruising along. But, but he's, he's inducing things on himself. He didn't realize, uh, maybe he did, well technically he did, but he, I don't know if he connected the two, but he's in a boat and uh, he's going along and storms are rising up and his storms are starting to cause other people grief. And there was a way to change it, but he wouldn't cooperate with the small leadings that God was giving him. And he said, no, I'm just going to go do this and I'm going to have this pleasure and uh, then everybody on the boat with them is starting to taste. This is junk. And they're like, something's happening. Let's figure out who's the problem here. And then they, he's like, me, I'm disobedient to God. You would have thought he would have gone, okay, I'm going to obey the Lord now. I'm going to finally do what I know God's calling me to do. Because all the time he knows God's will. To be able to walk in good spirit, God's good pleasure and in His delight, then we need to realize we have to cooperate. And here He is, you know, because some things, you know, we look at the world and go, well, they go to these movies. They go do this. And, but there are some things we just maybe need to look at. Or I would say it like this, as you start growing with God, He'll deal with you. If we're not growing with God, we have to ask, where have I said no? Amen. Oh, well, I've matured now. Okay. Have you? Are we maturing? Is the depth of our walk getting more vital? Is the outflow becoming greater and affecting more people around us? Am I having a positive impact on the kingdom of God? Amen. Jonah was bringing hardship on himself and he didn't even, maybe he did realize it, but he told those people, I'm the one who's causing this. And so he's like, instead of throwing all your stuff overboard, none of you guys are going to be able to deal with this and throw me overboard. And he gets thrown overboard and a big old fish comes and swallows Jonah. Now Jonah's late in the game. God's still trying to impact a nation through him and uh, Jonah's down there going, nah, nah, nah. Jonah actually had a bitter attitude, and he had gotten what people call a burr in the saddle. You don't know what that is? You know, you sit down, there's something poking you in the rear, and it's uncomfortable to sit down. Uh, he had one of those. He, he, he was not pleased, he was, uh, didn't like the people, but really it was where God had good pleasure for him. And for him to walk in that good pleasure, he was going to have to obey the Lord. And how many times are small things, the Bible said it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. In other words, it's not this big thing. It's just a little thing that can get underneath the fence. And we're like, well, it's only this. And they get in there and start digging stuff up. And it, and it, it affects things. So we're going to jump right into the middle of Jonah's life. He's already got this purpose. God is, God is wanting to affect this land. 
If Jonah did not do what God told him to do and was working with him to do, that whole nation would have been lost. That's amazing. Then that, you know, because a lot of people say, how can a good God send these people to hell? And here he is with a definite call on an individual, striving with him. The guy's out of the will of God, so it opens the door to junk happening. Hey, there's enough junk that happens than to induce more on our own. Amen? And here, he's opened the door, and some people would, from the outside, say, well, how could God send these people, and why would... And God's dealing with this guy hardcore. And the guy doesn't cooperate. And he's striving with this guy. And uh, he's like, well, you know, I'm out on a boat ride, and now I'm in a fish's stomach. And, um, you know, I don't know, after a while, you know, you ever been doing the dishes when, before you used to put them in the dishwasher and you have your hands in there after a while, your hands start to get a little wrinkly. I'm thinking after about two days, he's more than wrinkly. He's got fish stomach on him and his first layer of skin. He's like, man, uh, it's getting a little thin here. But see, the world would look and go, how could God send these people? And he was working not to. Because see, for God's will to come to pass in the earth, it takes a man to cooperate or a woman. Jonah, the book of Jonah, the second chapter, verse 7. We're now with Jonah in the belly of the whale. We're cutting to that scene. Verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, he was exhausted. You know, you'll get exhausted or anybody will get exhausted when they are not cooperating with the Lord. And he said, my soul is fainting within me. Then he said, when this was happening, he said, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you in your holy temple. So, He's in the stomach, and he's praying to God in heaven. And then he makes this statement. He said, those who regard worthless idols will forsake their own mercy. Well, that's an interesting verse because it, you know, what, what does that mean if you regard idols? In other words, you don't put the Lord first. He's not putting the Lord first. He's putting his own way first. It's no longer about his relationship with God. It's just about me and me and me and how do I feel about this and it's me. And what happens is you become the idol. The worship is about me. And here he is in this place and, and he said, when my soul started to faint, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to him in his temple. Verse 8 said, though, and this is him quoting, those who regard worthless idols. An idol is something that's above God. Notice what it said. They forsake their own mercy. 
Another translation reads like this. They turn away from God's love toward them. They turn away from God's love toward them. What was he doing when he wasn't cooperating with the Lord? He was turning away from God's love toward him. Wow. God didn't turn his love away from him. He turned himself away from God's love toward him. Verse 9 says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. So, he, he starts talking to him, and he's like, listen, I'm not going to sacrifice toward these idols or this idol of myself or living for my own life. He said, I used to offer up my life to serve my own pleasure, and now I'm going to offer up my life to you, and now I'm giving thanks. Not just giving thanks, but it was about his lifestyle. And then it says this, I will pay what I have vowed. It sounds by that writing right there that he had been having conversations with the Lord about what he knew he was already supposed to do. Because notice he said, I'll pay what I've already promised. I wonder if people in their own life no more than they let on and they say, oh, oh, Lord, you know, I know I'm supposed to do that. See, he finally came to the place of, Lord, what I told you I know I'm supposed to do, um, I'm now going to do it. Think of this in the big picture. Is our obedience bigger than just me? This was the difference between a nation knowing the Lord or not. And he came to the place and he said, I will pay what I have vowed. In other words, I've promised to give this and do this. Now I'm going to come through on what I have vowed. You know, some people think, well, you know, the Lord hasn't been dealing with me anymore for a while about some of the stuff He used to deal with me about. You know why? It's because we haven't paid it, and unless we pay it, we won't move on for Him to be able to deal with us about more things. Because if He said, go into the hallway, and I'll tell you where to go after that, and I'm like, I know I need to go into the hallway, I need, know I need to go into the hallway, I know, and the Lord keeps going, go into the hallway, and then when you get into the hallway, I'll tell you what you need to do, and, and we keep going, Lord, I know, and I'm going to go into the hallway, I'm going uh, to go into the hallway, I'm going to go into the hallway. After a while, the Lord's just not going to do anything, and we're still not going to be in the hallway, and then we won't get the further thing. And so he has now come to the place where he's like, um, I've already promised you this before. Um, now I'm going to do it. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation or deliverance is from the Lord. Isn't it interesting? And then it says this. So the Lord spoke to the fish. This is a verse you should underline. And it vomited. Think about his glorious deliverances through vomit. Well, that's a verse. The Lord didn't just make it all glamorous. 
but he came out. But what brought him out? Well, we know he, had, he, he knew what he needed to do to get out and get, get in the will of God to, to make influence and have God work through him. But he was like, uh, I, I, and he had talked to him. Who knows? Maybe he had been talking to him day before, the day before, in the belly of the way. Maybe he had talked to him when he was on the ship. Maybe he had talked to him before he got on the ship. Yeah, Lord, I know you want me to do this. I want you to, you want me to do this. I know I need to do this, but I'm not going to do it. But it doesn't always sound like that. And finally, at this point, but, but remember, at this point, when he's about to offer this prayer, you have to think. What has been happening to Nineveh who God has been wanting to impact the whole time? If Jonah hadn't finally come through, we would have to be hearing another about it. God would have to raise up another person. What would have happened? Some of Nineveh would have perished in the meantime. You know, you ever heard this statement? God prepares... And makes room for our stupidity. You ever hear that kind of stuff? He may have mercy, but in Jonah's stupidity, there he was depending on him. He's depending on me, he's depending on you. And what would have been or what would not have been was really what I find interested, interesting was based on Jonah. Not on God. God had a plan from heaven to do something great in the earth. And then he got this man and he started working in him, just like he works in all of us. And he said, cooperate and do this. And he said, uh, not today. You know, Pharaoh did that one time. He's like, you know, let my people go. And he's like, oh, not today. So he had one more day with the plagues. You know, one more day with the frogs. And, but it was God's will to get him out from under the plagues and his plan happening. But it took human cooperation. And when people don't realize that human cooperation is a huge part, and when people say oh, it's all in God's timing, Jonah is putting off God's timing day after day after day. And the effect is not just on Jonah, though it is upon Jonah. God was really wanting to do something phenomenal in Nineveh. Aren't you glad we got to read about it with Jonah? You know, it's wild. Jonah had a bad attitude. He should have rejoiced in the big thing God did, but he ended up having a bad attitude after this. But God was working in him. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, this verse right here, to me, is, is, is amazing. It's in the Bible on purpose. Are you with me? It's in here for a reason. And um, we're going to read here uh, in the 10th verse. But let me back you up to uh, the fifth verse. He said, and that he, 
was seen by Cephas, who is Peter, than by the twelve. So Paul is preaching here, and he's talking about all the people who have seen the Lord. He said, Peter saw the Lord, the twelve saw the Lord, then, then he talks about 500 who saw the Lord. Then notice this, verse 7, after that he was seen by James, which would be his half-brother, because Mary had other kids. Now think about it. He names the apostles, he names these different people. These are people, think of it, these are people who walked with Jesus, saw him, were in the boat with him, saw demons cast out, were being trained by the Lord to do something. And now we're going to read verse 10. But by the grace of God, this is Paul talking, or by God's working ability, his power. The power of God, I am what I am. In other words, he cooperated with God. And he said, and his grace toward me was not in vain. What does it mean? God's ability, God's grace toward him was not futile or empty. The potential for God's grace uh, not having its effect for it through a human being is real. This next part is an amazing statement. It wasn't in vain. Seems as though it could be. But notice this. But I labored more abundantly than they all. What did he just say? He said, you know Peter who traveled with the Lord? You know James, his half-brother? You know the apostles? You know all of them who traveled with the Lord? I wasn't around back then. I did not serve the Lord back then. I did not know Him when He was on the earth. And let me tell you something. I've worked more than all of them. That is an amazing statement. For Peter, who uh, walked on the water. For Peter, who was on the Mount of Transfiguration. For, for all the disciples who saw the dead raised, who, who were in the upper room when he showed up and said, here I am, handle me and see to Thomas. Here there's a guy, Peter or Paul, who's not even been there, and he said, I've labored or done more than all of them because I cooperated with God. Think about it. What God wanted to do through the apostles was not happening like it should have. That is an amazing statement. Because if you read Acts 1.8, when he poured out his spirit, the, right before he did, he said, you're going to receive power to be a witness to me to, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, to all the Gentiles, you're going to go. Do you know they did not obey that for one year? For two years, for three years, for four years, for five years, for six years? Who was losing out on those? Did not God care about the Gentiles? Did God not care about them? And there might be humans in the earth saying, doesn't he care? 
Yes. He gives gifts to people. He works in people. And, but they had religious ideas. These people are unclean. The Lord had to appear to Peter years later and say, don't call them unclean. I died for them. I died for them. See, people put it all on God, but God has put it on us. When we get to heaven and when we all stand, I mean everybody in the earth stands before the Lord, the Bible said the hidden counsels of our heart will be revealed. Oh. You ever walked around with an attitude and thought, well, I'll tell you what, those Christians and this and those other... God, that will be revealed. Why, why didn't you do what I told you to do? And you're not going to be able to go... I was busy. You might go, I had all this stuff to do. No, inside the council will be there just like Jonah's council. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And the world is not going to then look and go, God, how come you... He's going to go, oh, there was humans that had a big part in this. And parents are supposed to raise kids. Parents can procreate Eternal beings that last forever and ever and ever, profound. Then the Lord teaches them to raise them up a certain way so that they'll live on forever with Him. But there are some parents who don't teach these things. And God in His great mercy then raises up ministers, puts people and giftings in them, builds churches so that through them, they can compensate for the parent that doesn't even raise their kid to know the Lord. And they can go reach out. But what if people don't cooperate? The whole time there's giftings. God looks at the motive of the heart and He looks and goes, I, I see what you're thinking. Well, you know, my wife, my husband, my kids, my friends, my job. We can say some of that out here to God. But He sees what's beyond there. He looks at the counsel of the heart. Isn't it interesting Paul makes this statement, not even traveling with the Lord. How many people have said this, I do more, but I haven't seen the Lord like them. You ever heard that? He, he just, as people do today, he just blew that up. That's it. Because you think about it. Well, I didn't see the Lord like, like them, and he's, I didn't travel with him. They could have done more. And he said, look, you name those 12, I've done more. I've labored more than any of them. They, he appeared to all of them, and they walked with him, and I labored more. Then he goes on to say, Yet not I, but the grace or God's ability was, was working in me. Doesn't that sound like God works in me both to will and in us to will to do of His good pleasure? Maybe we need to have a prayer time and go, Lord, I'm going to vow to do. I've had to do this over the years. 
Because I remember on September 10th, 1985, when I was laying in bed at night and said, Lord, this is my life. This is what, you know, is going on. Uh, I've, I made a wreck out of it. I make good money. I do all this stuff. And, and here I am. Uh, if you can do anything with it, you can have it. And here was my words. Whether your prayer was like this or not, it don't matter. The same requirement is there. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Wouldn't it have been good if I, you just said, well, I'll do some of what you want? But even if you say that once he's your Lord, that don't matter. You don't get to do it that way. How many want to walk in his good pleasure? If he's going to flow through when I obey, that's what I'm made for. That's what you're made for. How many people, you know, we went on a mission trip, they come back, woo! But this, because God, they, people are made to do things. People are made to serve in the kingdom. People are made to do different things. But we have to cooperate. Think about it this way, if it moves God, it'll move you. If it's a good pleasure to Him, it'll be a good pleasure to you. If you cooperate. Our relationship with God, it should be the premium thing. But our relationship with God, we don't want to forsake His love or put aside His love toward us when we don't respond like Jonah didn't. This, this statement I'm about to make in closing to me is a big thing. This has been coming up, and I think, it, and I made mention of it, that time is a huge thing right now with God. And if it's a huge thing with Him, it's a huge thing with us, whether we know it or not. Somebody might say, well, I can wait to do that little thing. It's no big deal. Man, those guys, seven years until they did what they were told to do. And even when they did it, they didn't do it really good. Peter went and he started eating with them and sharing with them. Then some other Jews came and he separated. And Paul had to address it and said, you're acting like a hypocrite. In front of these people and they're picking up some bad stuff from you. And he got called out in front of everybody. And he said, this statement blows me away. He said, if it hadn't been for me making a stand, he said, your compromise has made it so the truth, he said, if it wasn't for me, because you affected my traveling companion, Barnabas, so much that he was led astray. And he said, if it wasn't for me, he said, the truth would not even exist anymore among these people. See, we're playing for big time. And sometimes just making a real stand and obeying can keep the truth in place. But he compromised. He didn't even do what he should have done the way he should have done it. I'm thankful for Paul. Are you with me? I'm thankful for him leading them back in the line because of the, what was happening and what God wanted to do there. 
and like I said, this is a big thing right now. I really believe there's something about time being short. Somebody say, yeah, we've heard that for years. Yeah, but how much longer do you have to live? How much longer do people have to live? And are we getting near? And when things are vital to God, then they should be vital to us. There was a time in the Bible when God kept working to get people to do things and do things. And he, as he kept dealing with them, here's what he said to them or explained. He called them workers that entered into his work and he equated them to time on a clock. And he said, finally, the last group entered in and it was 11 o'clock. There was no more time left. Some group is going to be 11 o'clock and some people will enter in and others won't. But nobody has to miss out.